With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25, and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router, and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast. Today is Wednesday. It is the 2nd of August. I hope you're all well. Hope you all had a nice weekend. I did not, but not to worry. I'm back and feeling somewhat nostalgic. However, 
Today is not going to be a nostalgia pod, with the exception of this opening bit. Um, because next week, obviously, we start the run into the beginning of the season. So next week, I want to go through each and every team kind of more in depth, how I think they've done in the summer, what I think they've left themselves to do before the window closes, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't want to end this nostalgic run on a three-peat of Manchester United titles, which is what it would have been 06, 07, 07, 08, and 08, 09. So I'm just going to leave it there, uh, finishing up on Chelsea's 05, 06 season. Now, if I sound a little bit different, I do apologise. Uh, hopefully it goes away in the next couple of days, uh, if if I do. I, I don't know if I do. I, I think, to me, I sound slightly different with a little bit of a lisp. And if that is the case, I apologise. But yeah, hopefully it goes away in the next couple of days. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the actual transfers that have been done so far. But before that, we have to talk about Jean-Louis Buffon. It was reported yesterday that Buffon is going to retire. The man is 45 years of age. He made his professional debut in the 95-96 season, playing for Parma. Established himself very quickly as the best young goalkeeper in the world, then the best goalkeeper in the world. Made the move to Juventus, was otherworldly for such a long time there. Went to PSG, back to Juventus, and now finishing off with Parma. So let's let's just talk about Gigi. So he made his debut November fifth, sorry, November nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. In a nil-nil draw against AC Milan, a Milan team that would go on to win the league that season, a Milan team with Baggio and Weya up front. He made three incredible saves in the game and really and truly put a marker down that he was ready and Neville Scala wasn't afraid to give him his opportunity. Now, they still had an experienced goalkeeper in Luka Bushi, and he would retain the first-choice spot for the rest of the season. Buffon would make nine appearances in that year. But the following year, 16-17, he establishes himself as first-choice, and he goes on to have five outrageously good years in a Parma shirt. And that's behind a defence that has Lillian Turam and Fabio Cannavaro in it. And those three obviously would be reunited later at Juventus, but together at Parma, they were part of something very, very special. Uh, They won the Coppa Italia, they won the Super Cup, and they won the UEFA Cup in an amazing... um, 98-99 season for the club. Arguably the best season in club history. They beat uh, Marseille in that final. 
And that Parma team is one that I'll be doing a reflective, nostalgic pod on at some point. But just to give you the the names in that Parma team, because this will show you just how strong Syria was at the time. In goal, you've got Gigi Buffon. You've got a back three, which is Lillian Turam, all-timer, uh, Roberto Sensini, outstanding Argentine centre-back, had a great career, and Fabio Cannavaro, all-timer. You've got a defensive two sat in front of them, of Dino Baggio, who was really good, and Alain Bogassian, French international, really good defensive midfielder, really good screener, good ball winner. Sat just in front of them running the game, is Juan Sebastian Veron In the wide areas, wingers who are also tasked with doing a lot of defensive work. On the right, you've got Diego Fuzer, who's one of my favourite players from this era, this era of Serie A. And Paolo Vanolo, Vanoli on the left. A talented player, never quite had the career of his teammates. And up front, you've got Hernan Crespo, one of the best strikers in the world for a long time. And Enrico Chiesa, who was the perfect second striker. Pace, skill, work rate, finishing ability off either foot. Obviously, the father of Federico Chiesa, who's probably a more talented player than his dad, but not quite as, as effective as a player as his dad. Some of the names on the bench, Roberto Muzzi, who'd been around for a long time, had a very good career. Luigi Apolloni, been around a long time, had a very good career. Abel Balbo, who was a great striker in the 90s. And Tino Espria, in his second spell at the club. Obviously, he'd gone to Newcastle. He'd now gone back to Parma. But that's just, that's just an idea of how strong Parma were that year. Like, that team is outrageous. That team would walk Syria now. And it's not like Parma were, you know, Milan or, or Juve or Inter. It's not like they had that type of budget. They didn't even have the type of budgets that Roma or Lazio would have. Like, Parma finished fourth that season. In Syria, Milan topped the table. Lazio were second. Lazio would obviously go on and win it the following year. Fiorentina finished third. Parma fourth. Roma fifth. Udinese sixth. Juve seventh. And Inter eighth. And those were good Juve and Inter teams. Now, Inter had a really poor season, but there was a lot of good players in their team. So it just gives you an idea of how strong that Parma team was and how strong Serie A was in itself at that time. In the summer of 2001, it's all changed at Juve as Zidane leaves, Nedved arrives, Turam arrives, and Buffon arrives. And Gigi would go on and have an outrageous career for Juve. 
So, <clears throat> five seasons, 01, 02, true to 05, 06. He's otherworldly, but he suffers the back injury in 05, 06. It comes back, obviously goes on to win the World Cup with Argentina. But at the end of that season, in which Juventus have won the title again, they end up getting relegated because of the Calciopoli scandal. Now, for most players, that was an excuse to leave. Zlatan, Trezeguet, Cannavaro. No, Trezeguet stayed. Zlatan, Zambrotta, Zambrotta, Cannavaro, Turam, Vieira, Emerson, all of them left. But a select handful stayed. Nedved stayed. Buffon stayed. Trezeguet stayed. And Del Piero stayed. They dropped into Serie B. And they swept away through Serie B. Returned to the top flight. And for probably the next 10 years, which gives him 16 years at Juve, Buffon is still incredible. Absolutely incredible. In 1718, there was a notable drop-off and he did start to split games. Um, they brought in Chesney by then and they were splitting games between the two of them. So Buffon left, went to PSG, then he came back to Juve with the intention of retiring. He was going to you know, play out a two-year deal and then retire. He came back to be Chesney's backup. And then he decided to go back to Parma and finish things off where he started. Now, Parma obviously a very different club now than they were back then. Um, look into the Parmalat scandal and what happened to Parma. And it's a fairly harrowing tale of, oh, what that club has been through in recent years. They've been liquidated. They've had to start over. They've been relegated. They've been promoted. They've been relegated again. He went there in the hopes of helping them get promoted back into Syria. Unfortunately, they weren't able to. But last season, at the age of you know 44, turned 45 in January, he still played 19 games. If we look at his career, at Parma, he wins the Copa Italia, the UEFA Cup. At Juve, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 league titles, plus the two that were taken off them, which truly should never have been taken off them. So 12 league titles at Juve, 12 Serie A titles. He also won a Serie B title there. He won five Coppa Italias. He won six Supercoppas. Three-time Champions League runner-up. 02-03, they lost to Milan. 14-15, they lost to Barcelona and 16-17, they lost to Real Madrid. He also won the title with PSG. He won the cup with PSG. I think it's their version of the the Community Shield, the trophy, the champions. Um, With the Italian national team, 
He won the European Under-21 Championships. He won the Mediterranean Games, which I don't remember. And he won the World Cup in 06. Also a a European Championship runner-up in 2012. He missed the Euros in 2000. I can't quite remember why. Because I think he had, he pretty much established himself as the number one in 99. I don't know if he was injured. He must have been injured. There's no other reason he wouldn't have been in that squad. But Taldo took over for that tournament. And obviously Italy got to the final and lost to France, that Trezeguet goal. So potentially Buffon could have won there. The Champions League is the only thing missing from his from his trophy cabinet. But, you know, 13 league titles plus a Serie B title, all the Cups, UEFA Cup, World Cup, I don't think he's going to be too hung up on that. Uh, Serie A goalkeeper of the year, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 times. And in truth, probably should have won it a bunch more. UEFA Club Goalkeeper of the Year only won it once, which is a scandal. Uh, was also UEFA Club Footballer of the Year in the 0203 season. Made the UEFA Team of the Year five times. It should have been six or seven. Best European Goalkeeper three times again. Should have been six or seven. And the fact is, he won it in 03 and then in 16 and in 17. Um, he, he should have won it. Should have won it when he was at Parma. At least once, if not twice. He should have won it multiple times in the late ninety late late two thousands, rather. When Juve came back into uh the top flight after the relegation, they had that really tough run for a number of years where they were trying to reestablish themselves and they went through a bunch of managers and none of them really worked. And he was the the only consistent performer for that team. Like Del Piero kind of aged out and Nedved aged out and Trezeguet aged out, but he stayed and he stayed great. Um, Thief Pro World 11 three times, uh, European Championship Team of the Decade twice, sorry, Team of the Tournament twice, uh, 08 and 2012. Sports Illustrated Team of the Decade for the 2000s. He sh- Noyle probably get it for the Noyle probably got it for the um the twenty tens, but I mean I'm sorry, there's there's just been no goalkeeper on, on this level ever. Uh best goalkeeper of the past twenty five years was an award he won in two thousand twelve. Best goalkeeper of the twenty first century, he won it in twenty twenty. Um Serie A team of the year five times. That award didn't exist prior to that, it would have been probably fifteen times. Just an absolutely incredible list of honours that he's won. Um, he was named in Juventus' all-time 11. Most appearances in Serie A. 100, 176 caps. 176 caps. Just consider that. And he had a couple of seasons where he missed a bunch of games through injury. 176 caps is absolutely incredible. Uh, 80 caps as captain for the Italian national team. 
15,251 minutes played for the national team. Joint fewest goals conceded in a FIFA World Cup by a starting World Cup winning goalkeeper. Um, Two in seven appearances in the 06 World Cup. Iker Casillas did the same in 2010 and Barthez had done the same in 98. I mean, you look at People look at the modern goalkeeper and talk about, you know, Manuel Neuer and people like that. Obviously, phenomenal goalkeepers. And Neuer would be better than Buffon with his feet. There's no doubt about that. But Neuer makes a lot more errors and has always made more errors than Buffon ever made. Buffon was a significantly better shot stopper. Buffon was a significantly better organizer at higher levels of concentration and consistency. I would I would say Buffon was also more commanding of his penalty box because Buffon was more willing to punch the ball so he could come and deal with more crosses, whereas Neuer likes to come and catch crosses. And oftentimes that can lead to drops. So while I, I can see the argument some people put forward for Manuel Neuer as the best goalkeeper they've ever seen, I don't think he holds a candle to this guy, and I don't think anybody does. It's not a knock on Neuer. I, I would have him second of the goalkeepers I've seen, uh, but this guy stands alone on a mountaintop by himself. Just absolutely phenomenal. Unlike anything I've ever seen. And I've been fortunate enough to see his career from the very start to the very finish. I mean... He's 45 and he's retiring now. He's still the third most expensive goalkeeper of all time behind Kepa and Allison. Now, Onana's deal will go above that. But just consider that for a moment. He moved in 01. And his transfer fee is still the third most expensive of any goalkeeper ever. That's how far above he was for so long that no one else came close to that kind of value. Third most senior international appearances by a European footballer, Sergio Ramos and Cristiano Ronaldo have passed him. And it's worth remembering that they stuck about because of ego And they were picked because of reputation and because of the damage that they could do publicly by speaking out against managers if they weren't picked. Uh, Ego kept them playing. Gigi knew when to retire. There's no question he could have kept playing for the Italian national team after 2017. He made one appearance in 2018 and called it quits. There's just no doubt that he could have continued to play for at least a couple more seasons. Even if he was only in the squad and starting every third game. The best goalkeeper of all time, in my view. And I don't think it's an argument. I really don't. Consistent brilliance for well over 20 years and a career of professional games that lasted 28 seasons. 
there's just nobody like him. And I don't think we're going to see anybody like him again. Yeah. Gigi Buffon. It's a shame because I was actually hoping he'd continue playing. <laughs> I really did think he might continue playing. I, I, I wondered would he be would he be tempted by the cash from Saudi Arabia? Because you know he's had the offer. You know he's had the offer. It'll always remain funny to me that people tried to elevate Iker Casillas to the same level. Iker was a great goalkeeper, don't get me wrong. But there's just there's no comparison between him and Buffon. Um, yeah, so best of luck in retirement. And uh, it's well-deserved at this point. Right, let's go. Transfers. Um, we're going to start off. This is alphabetical, which is nice. So, Arsenal, it's still Rice, Havertz and Timber. They haven't done anything else yet. So, there's nothing more to talk about there. Aston Villa added Musa Diaby and Pau Torres. I really like both of those signings. I think they got good value on both. I do like the Yuri Thielemann signing on a free. Remains to be seen how they use him. But I think Villa have done very, very good business thus far. Bournemouth have had, I think, quite a good window. Hamad Traore, Milos Kirkas. Uh, Romain Favre, who they've loaned. I- I'm a little bit confused by why they've loaned him. I think he could have done a job for them. Justin Clyver, I'm not overly keen on, but it's not a bad signing, and he is a talented winger. If they can unlock some of that talent, then maybe he can be very beneficial to them. The Jefferson Lerma departure, I think that's a bit of a concern. Um, I love what Brentford have done in terms of Nathan Collins and making the Kevin Shade deal permanent or Shade. Uh, Mark Flecken, I'm not hugely keen on. He's a good goalkeeper, but it's just a bit of an odd one for me. Um, Brighton have had the best window in the league, in my view, with João Pedro, Bart Verbruggen and Igor. I think they're all excellent signings. I think the Mo Dehoud signing is excellent as well. And they brought in that young Romanian winger, uh, Masalu, who apparently is very talented, but I haven't seen him so We'll have to wait and see. They also signed James Milner on a free. Uh, Burnley have been very, very ambitious, but I still think they've got more to do. Uh, Ziki Amduni from Basel. That's apparently a very exciting player. Uh, James Trafford. I think that's a, a significant overpay, to be honest, but he is very talented, no question. Uh, Jordan Bayer, <clears throat> good player. Dara O'Shea, good player. I still think they're missing a lead centre-back. And I do wonder if they'll try and get Harwood Bellis back from City. Michael Obafemi, Luca Koloashu, I, I don't know who that is. Uh, Nathan Redmond on a free. Lawrence Figueroa on a free. Decent depth pieces. And Jakob Brun-Larsen in on loan. Chelsea and Kunku, obviously super talented. Nicholas Jackson's very talented. I'm curious to see how they use him this season. They signed Angelo from Santos. He's a very talented young player. And they signed Leslie Ogachoku from Wren, who's talented but very, very raw. And they've overpaid significantly on him. 
it looks like he'll probably get a loan. Uh, it looks like Strasbourg will now be basically a, a B team for Chelsea, uh, one where they send players to develop. Crystal Palace need to get their act together because all they've done so far is bring in Lerma on a free. Uh, they've lost Wolf Zaha and they haven't done anything else. So you need to get your act together. You've still got at least three positions you need to fill. Some would argue more than that. Everton, uh, they finally got Danjuma on loan. Be curious to see how he does there. Ashley Young in on a free. I'm not sure that moves the needle a whole lot. Uh, Fulham signed Calvin Bassey from Ajax. I like Bassey. I do. I think he's a good player. Uh, they obviously picked him over Salisu, who they were also looking at. They've also brought in Raul Jimenez. Now, I don't mind that signing as long as he's a depth player. He can't be your starting striker. He just can't be your starting striker. Uh, now, they still do have Mitrovic, but that seems to be going in, in the direction of him heading for uh, Saudi Arabia. I love what Liverpool have done in terms of incoming so far in Sabozlai and Alexis, but they need to do a lot more. Uh, the outgoings, though, have been very good. Selling Fabinho for forty million and Henderson for twelve, great value. Fabinho at this point is a twenty-five million player. Henderson's a, a worthless player in terms of transfer value because of his contract. So to get twelve million and get that albatross off the books is excellent. Um, Luton have signed Ryan Giles, Heath Chong, Mads Anderson. Marvelous Nakamba, Chidozi Ogbena, and Issa Kabur. Some good players. Definitely not enough yet, though. So, you know, you've got to keep working there. And they're obviously working to a tight budget because it's their first season up. And they've also got work to do on the stadium. I think the stadium will take precedence. But what they're doing is they're setting themselves up to be in a very strong position. Not this season, but next season when they drop back into the championship. And I would be stunned if they don't drop back in. Uh, Manchester City, Kovacic in, Mares out, Gundogan out, and obviously Benjamin Mendy out. Um, They're weaker for certain, but City will get things done. They will. I don't like the business Manchester United have done, I have to say. I think they've overpaid significantly for Mason Mount and don't know how to use him. I think they've overpaid significantly for Andre Onana, and I think he's error-prone. They signed Johnny Evans on a free, which is funny. It looks like Amrabat's on the way, and they've got a deal in place for um, Hoyland, who's had his medical apparently yesterday, but that's an enormous overpay. Like, that's probably 30 million more than he's actually worth right now after nine goals last season. Um, What did... What did Atalanta pay for him? Let's see. Atalanta paid 17 million euro. Now, bear in mind, he left... Copenhagen for Sturm Graz in January of 2022 for 1.8 million euro. 
eight months later, he goes to Atalanta for 17 million euro. And now 12 months later, he's going to Manchester United for inclusive add-ons about 85 million euro. So in 18 months, his value will have gone from 1.8 million to 85 million. Seems like an extraordinary amount. Um, He played 32 games for Copenhagen, scored five goals. Played 21 games for Sturm Graz, scored 12 goals, to be fair. And played 34 games for Atalanta and got 10 goals in all competitions. 27 goals in 87 career games. It's not really... It doesn't scream. It doesn't scream at you that this is an £85 million player. Now, he's immensely talented. Super, super talented. I just think that's a huge overpay. Uh, Newcastle signed Sandro Tonali. I do quite like that as long as they don't try and leave him in there as a lone six. I really like the signing of Harvey Barnes. Uh, Yankuba Minta is meant to be very talented, but we'll have to wait and see. Forrest, Anthony Alanga. I, I think that's actually a good value for for Alanga, to be fair. I don't like the Chris Wood deal, but I didn't like it when it happened. I like the signing of Ola Aina on a free. Um We'll wait and see what else they do. They've they've clearly got other moves to make. Sheffield United, Benny Traore in, he looks really talented. Anis Slimane in, he looks talented. Yasil Arushi in, he is talented. But Illaman and Jai out, that's their best player. That's their best player, and, and they've lost him. And I think they're going to struggle massively to stay in the division. I really do. I think they're going to struggle massively. Uh, Spurs signed James Madison. I really like that one for them. They signed Manor Solomon. Talented backup. Uh, Vicario, the goalkeeper, looks a good player. And the Poro and Kulisevsky deals became permanent as well. So all things considered a pretty good window. They need to get at least one centre-back in the door, though. Uh, West Ham have done nothing. They sold Declan Rice and Arthur Masawaku. All they've done is bid for Brexity Dross. And I saw someone say that if you look at their business or their attempted business thus far this summer, the most likely outcome is to West Ham buy Binley Mega Chippy because it's the most Brexity thing going. Um, Wolves made the Matthias Cunha deal permanent. They made the Bubakar Traore deal permanent. And they signed Matt Doherty on a free. And that is the extent of their business thus far. They sold Neves. They sold Collins. They sold Cody. They sold Jimenez. Sold Giles. Sold Kawabi. Um, and seem to be very much stuck in an FFP dark hole. Uh, they have made a 40 million net profit this year. All things considered, there's a lot of Premier League clubs with a lot of business still to do. I'm really impressed by Brighton's business. I like I like what Brentford have done, even with Fleck, and I'm not... It's just, he doesn't have resale value, and that's kind of the model. But look, they've made a decision, and it is what it is. 
maybe they'll also sign a younger goalkeeper when the Raya thing happens. But um, all things considered, you know, I like Nathan Collins there, especially in a back three. I like Shad. I think he's going to be good from this season. I also think they'll see more from Damsgaard and more from Lewis Potter. But yeah, I mean, all things considered, I think there's, there's been some good business and there's been some bad business. There's some clubs have hugely overpaid on players. I'm not looking at anybody, Arsenal and Manchester United, but, you know, City need to do more. Liverpool need to do more. Um, Spurs need to do a bit more. Forest need to do a lot more. Burnley, I think, still have work to do. Luton have a lot of work to do. Uh, Sheffield United have all the work to do. West Ham have a lot to do. Wolves need more. It, it's going to be an interesting month. It is going to be an interesting month. At some point, there's going to be a trigger move that sparks a bunch of other stuff. And I expect Chelsea to do at least one stupid thing in this month. So, you know, keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, news, and we've got a whole bunch of gossip to get through. So I will see you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So I'm not going to do all six days of gossip. We'll go with four. We'll go with Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and today. So Sunday, Liverpool are in, t- <laughs> Liverpool are in talk to Paris Saint-Germain over a loan move for Kylian Mbappe. No, they're not. Uh, Real Madrid have set a price limit of $198 million to land Mbappe from PSG on a permanent basis. I expect that's how this plays out, that he ends up going there. Liverpool remain in negotiations with Southampton over Romeo Lavia. Uh, music mogul Jay-Z is preparing to bid for Tottenham if the club's owner, Joe Lewis, is convicted of alleged fraud and insider trading. It is important to point out that Joe Lewis is not the owner of Tottenham Hotspur. It, it's just important to point that out. Joe Lewis owns a company who owns another company, who owns Spurs. And that middle company is owned by a bunch of different people, one of whom is Joe Lewis, but he is not the club's owner. He is one of the part owners of the club. Um, Bayern Munich remain confident of completing a deal to sign Harry Kane. At an executive summit of Bayern's chief executive, Jan Christian Dresen, technical director, Marco Nepe and Tottenham chairman Daniel Levy. Bayern would make a bid of 75 million. I think that bid's already been, been made and turned down. Um, after completing the signing of Leslie Ugo Choku from Ren, Chelsea will focus again on negotiations for El Yawahi. Um, yeah, I mean, if he's the type of fella Chelsea would, would sign, all right. Atalanta have opened talks with Nottingham Forest over Emmanuel Dennis. Manchester United boss Eric Ten Hag has been forced to rethink plans to sell Scott McTominay following an injury to Kobe Menu. Um, if an 18-year-old getting hurt is causing you to rethink your plans, your plans are a little bit suspect. West Ham are not expected to make another bid for Harry Maguire, probably because he's not very good and wouldn't actually get in their team. Aston Villa are plotting a move for Adama Traore. It's football insider. It's probably garbage. Uh, Sophie Amrabat is still waiting on Manchester United to make the move. Uh, he would be willing to wait until 
the winter transfer window or next summer to join Barcelona. Okay, that's interesting. Liverpool are set to miss out in seven on seven point five million in add-ons from Bayern Munich should Sadio Mane leave the club for Al Nasir. It doesn't really matter. They didn't expect to get them anyway. PSG have rejected the prospect of selling Marquinhos. That's fair enough. America Laporte will leave Manchester City if they complete the signing of Josco Gvardiol. Roma have agreed a deal to sign Gianluca Scamacca on loan with a 19 million option to buy. That's not true. Aston Villa are continuing their efforts to sign Ferran Torres. That's an interesting one, actually. Could be very interesting. Former Everton winger James Rodriguez will be presented as a Sao Paulo player. Monaco have agreed a 17 million deal to sign Mohamed Salisu. Um, Arsenal are exploring a deal to sign David Rea. That's an interesting one because Rea, he's, he's about the same level as Ramsdale, but he's probably more reliable than Ramsdale. But I wonder, is he going there to be the backup? Does he know he's going there to be the backup? Is Ramsdale the backup, having just signed a massive new contract? With Arsenal fans telling us all he was baby Allison and all sorts of nonsense? Very, very interesting. Um, Chelsea are attempting to negotiate a player plus cash deal to bring Kylian Mbappe to Stamford Bridge this summer. Okay. PSG are expecting Real Madrid to make an extremely low and insulting offer for Mbappe. Usman Dembele has agreed to join PSG with the Ligue 1 champions prepared to activate his release clause. Uh, Saudi Arabian club Al-Ali want to sign Sophie Namor, but he's not going to go there. Eric Ten... Oh, sorry. Um, Marcus Rashford has said he considered leaving Manchester United before Eric Ten Hag arrived. Sadio Mane is expected to have a medical with Al Nazir. That's now done and dusted. Chelsea are confident they can win the race and sign Michael Elise. City also want him. I think he'd go to City over Chelsea. Chelsea are interested in Robert Sanchez. I mean, he's not very good, so I don't know why you would be. Uh, Uruguay striker Luis Suarez has agreed to terminate his contract with Gremio this December, and then he will join into Miami. Manchester City are confident they will complete a deal for RB Leipzig and Croatia centre-back Josko Vardiol. Uh, well, of course, my good friend, the best in the business, Fabrizio Romano, said it was all done deal. Here we go. Said he'd had his medical and that, that all turned out to be a big pile of dog excrement. Um, Tottenham and Spain fullback Sergio Regulon has emerged as a target for Real Sociedad. I act, Arsenal are keen to sign... Mohamed Kudus from Ajax. Arsenal have also expressed an interest in Kavicha Kvalashkelia. That's from my good friend Steve Kay, who is an enormous spoofer uh, for football transfers. Nottingham Forest are considering making a move for Arsenal and United States goalkeeper Matt Turner. I I hope that's as a backup. I really do. Wolves are preparing a third and final offer for Alex Scott of Bristol City. Very, very talented player. I, I'm assuming he will get his move at some point in the window. Um, Bayern Munich are prepared to break their club record transfer fee to sign Harry Kane. Tottenham and Bayern are currently about £25 million apart in their valuation. My guess is they meet somewhere in the middle. 
Tottenham could use the money to sign Clement Langley and Frank Kessie. This is from a Barcelona newspaper who write that more in hope than expectation. Tottenham are eyeing Brennan Johnson if Kane is sold. I don't think that's a good move. Not for them, not for him. They need a nine. Uh, They need Vlahovic. They need potentially Ivan Toney if they're prepared to wait the six months for him. Use Richarlison in the meantime. Chelsea co-owner Todd Bowley faces competition from Barcelona. No, he doesn't. Is this Miguel Delaney? No, Jamie Gardner. I don't know who he is, but we're putting him on the spoofer list. I've seen his name pop up a few times. Chelsea are exploring a potential swap deal involving Romelu Lukaku and Dusan Vlahovic. Uh, apparently, it will be Lukaku plus forty million for Vlahovic. Now, bear in mind they paid a hundred million for Lukaku uh, only a couple of years ago. So, you know, good business. Uh, PSG have rekindled their interest in Randall Colomani. Levi Colwell has agreed a new six-year deal with Chelsea. Liverpool are preparing an improved offer for Romeo Lavia. Liverpool are closing in on a deal for 16-year-old Leicester midfielder Trey Neonyi. Neonyi. I think that's I think that's how you say it. I could be wrong. I also can't speak very well at the moment, so you'll have to bear with me. Tottenham are ready to walk away from a deal for James Ward-Prowse. Um, that's because he's not very good and £40 million is farcical. West Ham have rejected a £17 million offer for Gianluca Scamacca. I really hope if he does leave, that's where he goes because him and Laturo would be great fun together. Burnley are in talks with Arsenal over a season-long loan for Albert Sambi Laconga. Alston Trusty could also leave the Gunners with Sheffield United, the leading candidates to sign him. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are not prepared to accept an offer of £26 million from Al-Halil for Marco Verratti. Al-Halil have made an offer of £120 million for Napoli's Victor Osman. Chelsea have begun formal talks with Brighton over Robert Sanchez. Brighton have not responded to Chelsea's opening offer for Sanchez. Chelsea won £45 million for Trevor Chalaba. That's outrageous. That's outrageous. He's not a forty-five million pound player. Uh, he's a good player. He's not a forty-five million pound player. But neither is Axel De Sassi, who they signed. So you know, Everton Wolves and Bournemouth are keen on Che Adams. Uh, Nottingham Forest want Rosario Central's nineteen-year-old Argentine striker Alejo Velez, but face competition from AC Milan. Barcelona could move for Joao Felix if Usman Dembele joins. PSG. Well, they've always got Rafinha to just step in there. Right, last day's worth of gossip. Arsenal have agreed a deal with Brentford to sign David Ray. They haven't agreed a deal. They've agreed personal terms with the player, not a, not a deal with the with the club. Uh, Man City want to sign Josco Gvardio. We know that. Man City are keen on Jeremy Doku as a replacement for Riyad Mahrez. That would be odd. Um, City see Michael Elise as an option. I think Elise would be the better fit. Um, Bayern Munich's £85 million bid for Harry Kane has been turned down as Tottenham want more than £100 million. Tottenham need to settle down. Bayern are confident of agreeing a £90 million deal for Kane, and I think they will. Um, Kane expects to stay at Tottenham this season if a deal with Bayern is not agreed before the Premier League opener, I, I don't think he does. That's the evening standard, which ah, is a, of a very low standard. 
Uh, Rasmus Hoysland has arrived in England. Good for him. Chelsea have added Tyler Adams and Edson Alvarez to their list of midfield targets as they posture and puff the chests out and try and bully Brighton into accepting a deal that they don't like for uh, Moises Caicedo. Uh, Levi Colwell has moved closer to signing a new contract by posting a goodbye message to Brighton. Okay. Um, Liverpool are exploring a deal for Fluminense's Andre having had a second bid for Romeo Lavia turned down. Liverpool are also considering Ryan Gravenberch. No, they're not. And Calvin Phillips. No, they're not. Uh, this is Richard Jolly, who should probably stick to telling jokes. Uh, Johnny Evans is set to be offered a one-year contract by Manchester United. Nottingham Forest will listen to offers above forty million. I don't think they will, to be totally honest. Bournemouth have reopened talks with Bristol over Alex Scott. That's since been dismissed by well-informed Bournemouth journalists. Bernardo Silva is desperate to join Barcelona. I think if um, if Dembele goes, that might be who Barca go for is uh, is Bernardo Silva. Um, PSG have triggered a 43 million release clause. I don't think they have. I really don't think they have. West Ham have ended their interest in James Ward Price. West Ham are expected to a deal to agree a deal. So the Sky Sports and the Times saying different things about Ward Price. If West Ham pay 40 million for him, that's one of the most laughable deals of the summer. Ajax have hijacked West Ham's 14 million pound pursuit of Man City's 19-year-old Portuguese winger, Carlos Borges. Uh, Borges is close to joining Ajax. Everton could move for Mikel Antonio after he failed to secure a move to Saudi Arabia. Galatasaray are hoping to complete an £11 million deal for Tanguy Endembele. That's so low for a player of his quality. But Galatasaray are building something fun. Leeds are considering a move for Brandon Williams of Manchester United. And that is basically all I have for today, folks. Uh, Thank you, as always, for listening. And I will see you all tomorrow for Questions Day. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.